to the Safety Doc Podcast with your charismatic host and prominent safety expert, Dr. David Perroni. Be entertained and informed as the Safety Doc discusses both best and bizarre practices in safety preparation and crisis response. The truth will keep you safe. Follow Dr. Perroni on Twitter at SafetyPhD. So David, welcome to the Safety Doc Podcast. This is podcast number 51. And today we are going to focus on the Equifax credit breach. What to do. I'm going to give you some insight on what the safety doc is going to do. And just in general, just a, a bigger picture of how this whole credit bureau thing works. Because there's a lot of mystery behind it. You know, people say, well, it's a government extension of the government. It's not an extension of the government. Um, and, and why these things exist and, and actually that they're traded on the stock markets. You can invest. And the fact that some of these, um, agencies have done really well. Um, so it's like, you know, who are they really serving? And the fact that Equifax basically had, what was it? A music major, um, in charge of security and, and everything got wiped out. Like everything got wiped out. So, um, what does this mean for you? What does it mean for me? What does it mean for our parents, um, for family members and, and people we care about? And what, what should we be telling them? So um, I'm going to get into that in just a little bit here on the Safety Doc Podcast. A few things. One is the decor in the background. Um, I've ordered new signage. So we do have uh, some exclusive sponsorship for the show. Um, I'd like to thank Sprigio, S-P-R-I-G-E-O, Sprigio.com out of Santa Barbara, California, the nation's leader in school safety reporting systems, online safety reporting systems, not only school, but now looking very seriously at bringing that level of safety reporting to entire communities. So Sprigio.com. And also thank you to the 405 Media, John Grant and the 405 Media out of Los Angeles. You can listen to this show daily at 2 p.m. PST, followed by Aaron Clary, Captain Capitalism and the Clary Podcast. But 2 p.m. PST for the Safety Doc Podcast. We do have a new show every week. Um, so please, you know, go in and you can follow the archives through the 405 Media. You can go into Apple Podcasts. I'm on SoundCloud. Please follow me on Twitter at SafetyPhD. Follow me on Twitter at SafetyPhD. Also, um, you can find me on Stitcher and Blueberry and, and pretty much anywhere you throw a rock, the Safety Doc's going to be there. So um, I, I do appreciate that. And, and all of these shows are on um, YouTube. So I'm pretty rare in that regard of making all of the podcasts available on YouTube and then also on um mp3 format via soundcloud or apple podcast or whatever it might be so uh we did have some shows that ran long um beyond an hour i mean that's the that's the time slot i have on the 405 media um but now we've kind of been getting back into the hour slot i like shows i i like to go through and look at what people have posted you know in my favorite shows like readily random um dot com awareness podcast dot com um, you know, Aaron Clary, you know, just some of my favorite shows, sustainable living podcast, give a shout, a few shout outs there, folks. Um, and, and I like sometimes shows that are a little bit longer. Like if I have a longer drive or I'm going to be, um, involved in some task where I want that playing in the background. Um, and I know like, Oh, like I'm going to be, you know, out in the garage, um, you know, cleaning my car or working on the concrete in my garage or something. And so I'm going to download some of the longer podcasts that, that I'm going to be out there and really able to, to soak in. So I, I do appreciate the long podcast um, in addition to the short podcast. But, you know, for me, if a podcast is like less than 30 minutes, I typically don't download it because I listen while I commute and I, I don't like having to kind of flip through and find, you know, podcasts and, I have, I have a strategy, though. I'm going to try this. I have a new strategy. I'm thinking of every week when I commute of just taking all of my favorite podcasts I download for that week and then um, record, import them into one file, like just one after another after another, and then render that as an MP3. So it's just one continuous file. 
So it might be like, you know, November 15th, 2017 for that week. And it's like all of them. It'd be like one massive file that would just keep going. So I don't know. Just thinking of that. But, um, yes. So the signage in the back is going to change. I did order a 405 media sign and then a large Spragio sign. And then also I'm going to be moving a few things in the back. Um, you know, I do, uh, work with, um, lawyers and and with major companies and so forth so to really have the the, the dumbbells in the background um doesn't give the <laughs> the professional image uh anymore uh for for you know where the the studio needs to be now all, all of the packer stuff that you know when i initially set the studio up back in 2002 that's kind of been been removed out of here and it is much more of an adult studio um you know, right, right now doesn't look like something that a teenager or college student put together. But, um, but I am going to be moving that to a different location. So what you're going to see in the back is basically the full credenza, um, you know, w- which will have books on it. And then the two signs, one will be Sprigio, and the other sign will be the 405 media. So my Badger, Wisconsin Badger sign, even though they're ranked number five in the college football polls right now, undefeated 10 and 0. Um, that's going to be gone. So my Badger's, my Badger sign will, will just be moved to a different part down here of my studio, but will not be showing up in the background. So, uh, a few things. One is, hey, got a haircut tonight. So if you're watching this show, um, on YouTube or, or if you're listening to this podcast and you're like, I want to check out the safety docs, uh, haircut, um, please, please. This, this is, uh, I, I like this. This is my dragnet look. Okay. I, I I absolutely love short haircuts. It is it is um, it's a little it's a little weird though in Wisconsin because once it once winter comes around, um, I can even notice like I I, I will definitely um, I shave on Sundays and then I kind of let the stubble grow out. I never have like a beard although like I used to kind of, um, but once once you get in you know that clean shaven chin and and that hair you know shortened down and, and you get outside for a run or something you could definitely um, feel that you've lost a little bit of insulation, you know, it gets, gets a little bit cooler out there. Um, now in summer, that's awesome, you know, on a bike and I'm heat and sweat and all of that stuff, but, but in winter, yeah. Um, so I have contemplated letting, letting the beard grow back. I did have a trimmer where it would only go like so long, like a quarter of an inch and then you just trim it every day and, and things like that. And I kind of liked that that look a little bit in everybody you know this time of year you can pass it off in wisconsin pretty easily like it's hunting season right are you a hunter no but you know who knows um so uh, i'm you know i'm going back on this whole equifest uh, not equifest i think equifest was an investment um equifax so anyway we got the big three equifax experian and transunion are, are the big three credit agencies and equifax is the one you know, that came out in what was it, you know, May and May through June and, and said, Hey, by the way, like everything we had was harvested by hackers and it's all gone. It's all gone. Social security number, everything is all gone. So, um, you know, life as you, you know, it, you know, your information is it. And I have a friend who is, um, in the computer business, you know, and, and, basically like in networking basically said like all of our information is is just ubiquitous across the the dark web i mean it's just it's all out there and it's just a matter of prioritization from the hackers if they go after you or not and i think i mentioned this once before i think his theory was that they will basically kind of google your name and start to see how many hits come up and they kind of will go after people who have more hits because they're figuring, well, this person has a bigger social media profile, a bigger media profile in general. They've probably done more. They're probably more established. They have more resources, more assets, more things to go after, and maybe more things that they've been involved in that they won't be able to monitor everything. So um, what that means for me, I don't know. I don't know. They're, you know, They Google me. They're like, hey, this guy has like 51 podcasts. Does that equate to like a, a big bank account? I'm like, uh, not not through the podcast. No. <laughs> He's very very minor celebrity status now. With um, one, I, I think we're up to one thousand five hundred twenty eight Twitter followers. Although it varies, like someday it was up over one one. I, I had like one thousand five hundred thirty, and then it dipped down a little bit, and then it came back. Um, now back in March. 
we went to Disney and I remember I was very excited at Disney. Um, I checked my laptop and I had just crossed 300 Twitter followers. So now, you know, over 1500 and the show continues to, to grow an audience and, um, doing very well in, in the, um, downloads for the MP3s, you know, listening in the audio format and, and remarkably well in video. Like people seem to prefer sometimes video. Video will outpace audio at times. So again, I mean, I, I think I'm a very contextual person. So. Even when I do professional phone conferences with lawyers, when I serve as an expert witness or with, with businesses, when I, I work with them on contract work regarding, um, you know, different u- user interface things and, and, and data analysis and stuff like that. This is all kind of side, side stuff here. It comes out of the studio down here. Another reason studio, studio's got to step it up a little bit. Um, and the paneling though is not going to be replaced. The paneling, the paneling is vintage. Um, but, um, but yeah, you know, it, it, it is, it's, it's pretty crazy. It's pretty crazy. So, um, let's, I want to talk about some of my early jobs. So I'm going back and thinking, you know, the early days when, when credit hacking, identity theft, things like that really wasn't, wasn't that big of an issue. Um, so when I was about nine years old, um, I started to mow lawns and I had a network of lawns that I would mow and I would use my, my parents had two mowers. One was a, a Toro, it was a push mower. And one was this old, I don't even know what the brand was. It was yellow. And this thing had to be like from the sixties and it was loud. Like in back then you didn't wear the headphones. I mean, now, you know, last 20 years of, I was worn, you know, the protective head, head dampen it you know head i don't know it's not headphones what are head head muffs earmuffs they're not earmuffs i don't know sound protection um but you know back then you didn't and, and this this thing this this and you had to mix the gas and oil together which was always a science experiment um and um yeah we had this we had two mowers and i don't know why but but, but the yellow one was the one you use like if you were cutting around um, we, we had some pine trees in the back and basically like that's the one that would take the brunt of the most horrible mowing job. And then we had one that was a little bit better, which was a Toro. Um, but they're again, both push mowers. And I think we, we had a weed whacker too. And you had to mix up the oil and gas for that thing. And I don't know, I don't remember much about that. I think it worked okay. But, um, but I, I mowed lawns and I used our mowers. So my parents, you know, basically allowed me to use our mowers and I would charge, you know, the neighbors and, and, um, I, I don't know. I think my parents never made me pay for the gas or anything on those. I think it was just more or less like the work ethic type thing. So anyway, it's pretty cool, you know, and, and most of our neighborhood, I, I brought this up earlier in a podcast, like most of our neighborhood, you know, so, all right, quick break here. Like for those of you watching the show, there's no way my shoulders will ever be straight. Like someone could stand by me with a level and I've got the arm settings at two different heights. I, I don't know what it is. I don't, I honestly, I can't, I can't figure it out, but it's not, it's not that big of a distraction until I bring it up to you right now. And you're like, Dave, now it's like totally like it's bothering me. I don't know what's up. So, um, but anyway, like I would, I would mow and I've got it. I just, I got it. You know, after you after you get a haircut, you got like kind of the hair that gets in the shirt. I kind of got that going on. So no, I'm not trying to do like the Hugh Hefner look here. All right. And I do have a sport going on and things like that, but, um, and I do need to figure out this mic. I, I'm not sure I like the mic in front of me, um, although the mic's been recording, you know, really well. I'm really satisfied with the mic and, and the arm, the boom arm setup here. But um, it's not as as convenient as what I thought it was going to be. Like I thought I'd be able to type a little bit more and, and things like that. It's better. I mean, it's better than what was sitting on the table, like in the earlier podcast. So I had a new listener, and he's like, "Yeah, I definitely noticed. Like in the last 25 podcasts, those are like significantly better than the first 25." I'm like, "Yeah." got a lot of help first of all i upgraded my equipment but i got a lot of help from sectors hector solis from typical daddy podcast also of the awareness podcast and helping me in in setting up my technology and also the software to go with it um and ophonic uh software a-u-p-h-o-n-i-c ophonic is great if you're a podcaster um you can go in and check them out and i think it's like 80 
$9 for a lifetime license or something like that. And um, they just came up with an update this summer, but it, it's really great. Like you can, what it does is it takes your podcast and it brings it up to industry standard. So, um, and you can, you can kind of tweak with that a little bit, but it'll, if you're not loud enough, it'll bring it up to a loudness and, and it just really cleans up the audio. Now, I mean, you have to have pretty good audio coming in, but it's so good. The software is just wonderful. It's made a big difference. And I'm, I'm waiting to get an H4N um, Zoom recorder so I can do a little better field recording audio. I don't, I don't do a lot of field recording. That's the thing. Like, um, you know, to buy a used one is probably going to be at least $125, including shipping. And then you run the risk, even if the person writes like the super great narrative of like only used it three times, like it's been treated great. Like you never know what you're getting. So for an extra 50 bucks, you could go and buy something new. But I'm like, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if I want to invest like $200 in like a portable audio system. This would have been great back when I was doing my dissertation and I needed audio. And I had this little handheld Sony recorder, which I got for like 40 bucks. And honestly, that thing worked like really, really well. But um, it reminds me of when I was in high school and you had a little boom box that you, I, you know, you put up in your locker, in your your football locker and um there was no bass i mean it was all just like tinny treble i mean there was no bass in the back then so this this thing did the job like it worked really well it recorded clear enough um and for the money it actually did a phenomenal job and then you know i got it to my transcriber and all of that but it's not like something i could use on a regular basis for going out in the field and doing um, interviews. And that's what I want to do. I want to I want to start doing some more interviews. So I want to get a Zoom at least where I can set it up on a tripod, like on a table, and then sneak the cord out to my webcam, which does take audio in, and then um, try, to, try to improve the audio that way. But, again, it's one of these things where, like, I don't want to invest a lot in it because I'm looking through, like, 51 shows, and I probably only did six, seven shows where I've interviewed somebody. And the one or, or the two that were really pretty pretty wild were the ones where um, Preston Rice and I were out in the field and he was doing like demonstrations with his drone. And I think the audio kind of turned out pretty good for that. The dub over wasn't the greatest, but the audio was pretty good with the camcorder. But I don't know if I would have had like a great system for that anyway. So, you know, I'm looking at some of these systems and one, one, one came up and I probably should have been on it. It had like lapel mics, but then I'm thinking, well, like that wouldn't have worked out in the field with, you know, obviously when I was doing that. Um, so I don't know. I'm going to come up with something. I, I do have some cash to put into, you know, upgrading some of these systems, but, um, it's just, I, I I'm a little hesitant as, as you know, Captain Cat. Capitalism, Aaron Clary. I mean, you're, you're probably I thinking you record maybe some of this stuff on your phone or whatever. Um, and, you know, in addition to to your studio, I just I just don't want to put a lot into the field reporting um, as far as like the audio, because I do have the camcorder. And if you get it pretty close, it's pretty good. And you can kind of jack the volume. And, I, you know, I, I've listened to podcasts where people podcast and they record in their cars. And to me, it's pretty good. I mean, unless you have something absolutely crazy in the background, like as long as you know the kind, like one guy, I was listening to his podcast. My God, the guy was like, his, he turned his blinker on through this one hour podcast. I mean, the blinker had to be on 50 minutes of the one hour podcast. I mean, I don't know. I'm like, did you like, you know, do you, were you broadcasting from a corn maze where you're, you know, you're left, right, left, right, right, left, right, right, left, right, right, right. I mean, it was just crazy, but, um, so and we talk about cra hey, pay, the crazy doc is crazy show guys, crazy show, but you're not the typical audience. You want to know this stuff and I want to share it with you. I mean, this isn't rhetoric. I want to share it with you, help you out. So yeah, safety doc podcast is great stuff. Thank you for tuning in to the safety doc podcast with the nation's leading safety expert, Dr. David Perodin. Author, radio show host, university instructor, researcher, expert witness, and consultant. Powerful testimonials. Dr. Perodin has a strong reputation as the go-to safety consultant, and he was still able to exceed our expectations. When we went looking for an expert in the field of crisis preparedness and prevention, David was the single person we pursued. 
Not easy stepping into the touchier subjects of life, but Dr. David pulls it off. Take a listen. Now, back to Dr. David Perodin and the Safety Doc Podcast. Welcome back to the Safety Dog Podcast. So, you know, when I was growing up, I had, I had the jobs. You know, we talked about mowing the lawn, and I also had the job, um, I don't know, at least I think I had a job, so I got written down here. Um, but, yeah, I was, I was mowing lawn. I was like 9, um, 10, and then I, I got in with a concrete factory. I was like 10. I was mowing lawn. I had this big lawnmower, like a like lawn tractor. I mean, it was a tractor. I mean, it was big. Um and then I was mowing some properties that they owned. So they owned a few acre properties in town. Plus they owned some homes. So I was like doing like three, four homes plus like two, three properties. It was a pretty good gig. This mower was really impressive. And, uh, a few things with that. So I remember a couple of things. One is like I was mowing. They, they didn't want you to mow the vacant fields very often. When I say fields, it'd be like a city block and it was in the city. And I only grew up in a town of like 1200 people, but. You know, they're like, you know, only mow this every two, three weeks because, I mean, you know. So I'd go and mow it, and one time I mowed it, and, like, I'd never realized, like, kids were playing baseball on this, and they had left, like, a glove or two down, and I never saw it. Like, I mowed over, and all of a sudden, this glove was cut up and shot out the side of this thing. And I think the parents got kind of upset, but I was like, I never saw it. And then they're like, well, you should walk this thing before you mow it. I'm like, yeah, nobody does that. Um but I asked, there were two funny things. So one is like at that time, probably like 10 years old. And I'm going up and I, I would ask at the concrete office, a substantial concrete company. I'd say, I need to fill up the mower with gas. And the gas pump was like on the other side of this, this complex. So I'd be like, they'd be like, okay, we'll turn the pump on. I'd be like, all right. So by the time I drive over there, the, I, I try to fill up and the pump would be off. Then I'd have to drive back, and they'd be like, well, we had the pump on. I'm like, well, this thing's not a race car, for God's sakes. I'm like, it's a lawnmower. It's a riding lawnmower. Like, you got to give me three to four minutes to get over there. And then, you know, finally, I mean, that happened all the time. And then finally, you know, gas up, and it'd be fine. But um, one of the times, and I might have shared this story before, but it's worth sharing again. So I was like 10. And um, I kept asking for a bagger because... On the two more formal properties, okay, now these are pretty wealthy wealthy folks. So, like, you know, they want everything mowed, but then there's a lot of stuff you have to mow by hand around the trees, and you have to get the weed whacker, but you have to rake up anything that is extra grass or leaves. I mean, they really want their houses to look prestigious. And at the same time, I'm getting paid, like, $2.85 an hour, you know, back in, what, 1982 or whatever it was. But, um you know, it was okay. It was good. It was good money at the time. And actually I saved my money and I put it in bank CDs, you know, that were paying at that time, like 10% or more. I mean, it's just crazy. Um, but, but I asked for a, a leaf bagger to haul behind this thing. I kept asking, like, if you could just give me a leaf bagger. I mean, like out of all the three luxury vehicles you had out in their driveways and their big mansions, let me, please just give me a leaf bagger. So they did. They got me this, a leaf bagger. And um, it was kind of a misty day. I'm going out to mow. And um, where the mower was, it was, it was kept in a shed. So you had, to, you had to get to the shed, which was at one of the properties. And um, right away, as soon as you get out of the shed, you had to climb up this hill. And there used to be a railroad that went through there. It was kind of a weird setup. But you went through, and um, I'm going up this, this, this hill, this, this grass-covered hill. And all of a sudden, like, I've got this leaf catcher behind me. And I'm like, oh, this is going to be so great because, like, it's going to – all the leaves, debris all come in here. I can just take it. We had a city dump, which wasn't far away. You could take it down there and just you – know, you could dump that stuff. Um, but I'm going, and all of a sudden, the wheels start spinning on the tractor. And this is a big tractor. And I'm like, oh, no, this is bad. This is bad. This is really bad. So you have a couple things you got to think about instantly. One is like, okay, like, are you going to be able to make it up the hill? No. If not, like, can you, can you back down the hill? 
And the third thing is, like, you can't really, you, you got to be careful. You can't lock on the brakes because then the front could come in and this thing could flip over on back uh, onto you. I mean, so I'm something, and okay, I'm not too far up the hill. I'm going to to take this. And you couldn't just put it in neutral because it was starting to slide. So I'm starting to work my way back down the hill. And I'm making sure, like, very carefully that the, this bagger that's just hooked on the back, you know, as a pin, you know, just go, go through and, and hooks on, on the hitch. Um, and all of a sudden this thing jackknifes and, and the, uh, the mower, I mean, which is big, I mean, runs over this thing, snaps off the hitch and, and runs over, not only runs over, like flattens, destroys it, like it's, it's wiped out, like this thing just crushes it. And then, I mean, it's like that Ralphie moment in a Christmas story. I'm like, oh no. Oh no. So like I get down to the bottom, I go back up and you know, I'm like, uh, I can fake it. I can bend it back and um, no, no, this thing is, is gone. So what I did is I took it and, um, you know, so I think the statute of limitations is off on this. Because, you know, I don't know, what, 30, 30 years ago plus. But um, I took it and I I, uh, I, wrote, I put a rope around it. it was, I mean, there was no other way. I just kind of roped, took a rope around it. And I dragged it to the dump. So I'm dragging it across this, this blacktop road. And the thing's sparking because I mean, it's just metal on metal at the metal on, on the road. I get it to the dump and then I, I just heave it over the side. <laughs> I never mentioned it after that. So they um, they did ask me once. They're like, "Hey, wasn't there a bagger that uh, you know that was down in the shed with this?" And I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, you know, I did use it the one time, and that wasn't there after that." So the thing was, other people used in 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 the family, this greater family, they would come up with their pickup trucks and stuff, and they would use this this high end. Um, uh, you know, mower and, 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 um, and bagger, bagger accessory. So I'm thinking, you know, through the, they thought somebody just like either took it and then bring it back or whatever. So I don't know. I guess maybe I should have fessed up, but I didn't want to lose my, my job back then. Um, I got a job at a swimming pool when I was in high school. So I was playing like sports at high school, you know, the, the high school sports and you get done with that. And I worked at a swimming pool as a program director. So I helped put the kids in the lessons. I wasn't a guard or anything, but in the lessons, I would do the front desk. And it was a great job, actually. Had keys to the building. A brand new pool built in 88. I was, I was hired for the original staff. I was the original staff. And, um, so it was pretty cool, and we used to do things called Weird Al Saturdays. I bring in my Weird Al cassettes. This thing had a cassette player, kind of like what a car would. Again, it's opened up in '88. It was a phenomenal, like double length, um, uh, Olympic size swimming pool in a community of like 1,200. It was donated by like a businessman. It was, it was phenomenal, and it had the super speaker system. So we would do Weird Al Saturdays because we had to open open swim. Like now, you know, I'm sure it's all filled and they have a swim team and stuff like that. But for the, the start is largely open. Like you just come in and swim. So we had our Weird Al Saturdays, and um, I would go through and bring in all my Weird Al cassettes, and and those that's that was popular. I mean, the kids loved it. So hey, let's get into this Equifax credit breach. Um, so this is from Cena Grayson, Cena S E E N A Grayson G R E S S I N, September eighth, two thousand seventeen. She's an attorney for the Division of Consumer and Business um, Education (FTC). So here's what she wrote. Okay, if you have a credit report, there's a good chance that you're one of the one hundred forty-three million American consumers who's sensitive. Personal data was exposed in a data breach at Equifax, one of the nation's three major credit reporting agencies. Okay, so we have Credit Fact or Equifax, Experian, and TransUnion. Those are the three. Okay, um, so 143 million Americans. I remember what we were like, what 350 million, but like a lot of these are are kids. Okay, you know too. So um, 143 million. So basically, most of the adult population. You know, here are the facts according to Equifax. According to Equifax, here are the facts. So. How, how much do you trust this? Anyway, the breach lasted from mid-May through July. How the hell does it go on from mid-May to July? I mean, how, how do you not employ some of the best 
um, anti-hacking people in the business when you have this type of information? And how do you not know, like, oh, we were breached like yesterday? What you know, and that this go. I, I I just I I don't get it. I don't get it. And I have friends that work in this business. I have friends who work in a capacity in military in this. So it's not like it's it's this foreign, you know, um, you know. And all these folks are saying too, like this is this is ridiculous. This, is, this was crazy. This and again, what what you know, it was had by what like you know, person with a music major degree. Anyway. The hackers access people's names, social security numbers, birthdays, addresses, in some instances, driver's license numbers. They also stole um, credit card numbers for 209,000 people and and dispute documents with personal identifying information for about 182, I don't know what the hell that is, 182,000 people. Hey, they also grabbed information from people from the UK and Canada, too. Yay, thanks. Thanks, Equifax. Thanks. Just the facts, Equifax. Now, a few things. One is, it, and, and then, you know, we, we know that they sold um, stock. So there were three senior, and I've got, I've kind of got notes all over the place. I, w- I was going to type this up, but then I thought it's it would kind of stifle for the thoughts that are going to come to me in the moment. Like, this is pretty visceral. You know, like, I'm, I'm pretty angry about this. Um so I, I again, I, I wanted I wanted the feelings to kind of take the show where it needs to go. But there were three Equifax senior executives sold shares with about eight million dollars worth of shares within days that the company discovered the security breach, and, and they were all cleared. They were all cleared. They did an investigation, and the last couple weeks are cleared. So even though like you sold all the stock after you knew about this, you sell the stock. It's like no, it's okay, you know. Um, I. Of course, it's not okay, and there's not a fine or anything that you keep your job. You keep your job and you sell your stock. I mean, just talk about corruption. So, okay. So, un- are you unnerved? Unnerved by the massive Equifax um, breach? So, the breach lasted from mid-May to mid-mid July. We talked about, but um, you know. The question now comes up to: Do you freeze your credit or don't you freeze your credit? That's what that's what we're getting at right now. So people um, don't really know what that what that means. You can go to it's called Value Penguin. I am going to link this. I'll, I'll write this out in the description. I will put it explicitly in the blog post with a link. But it's ValuePenguin.com. Actually, it's it's excellent. You can go in. It'll show you every single state, and it'll say here's what it costs to lock your credit at the three agencies. And those three agencies again: Equifax, Experian, and TransUnion. How here's how much it's going to cost you to lock your credit. When we talk about lock your credit, it basically means that nobody can take out credit cards in your name, loans in your name, all that. It it, it shuts it down, turns the light off. Um, and here's what it'll cost. But here's also the deal. It will also cost you this much every time you unlock those credit reporting agencies. So the default, okay, the key here, the key here is that the default is open. The default is that these are open. So these three agencies, the default is that they are they are open. So your data is vulnerable. Um, that it's not closed. And even like trying to close Equifax is almost impossible because trying to get through to the company, you can go online and and, and do this and look at people who have copied tweets or copy responses. Like, you know, it's 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 not easy. I mean, they're getting inundated. It's not easy. And then you get a pin that you have to try to remember and protect and things like that. And I think Equifax was giving out like the same pin to everybody if they, you know, for the same day or it it was just ridiculous. But so, um, oh my goodness. Okay. So the basic benefit of putting a lock on your credit is that a fraudster attempts to take out a loan or get credit using your personal information. The lender will be unable to check your credit score or history and generally won't approve the application. So that's the, that's the benefit. Thank you for tuning in to the Safety Doc Podcast with the nation's leading safety expert, Dr. David Perodin, author, radio show host, university instructor, researcher, expert witness, and consultant. Powerful testimonials. Dr. Perodin has a strong reputation as the go-to safety consultant, and he was still able to exceed our expectations. 
When we went looking for an expert in the field of crisis preparedness and prevention, David was the single person we pursued. Not easy stepping into the touchier subjects of life, but Dr. David pulls it off. Take a listen. Now, back to Dr. David Perodin and the Safety Doc Podcast. All right, thank you for uh, returning for the Safety Doc Podcast. All right, you tried to run out the door. Nope, we got you back. That was your time, though, to get your uh, to get your popcorn or your Doritos or your Cheetos or your Mountain Dew or your Pepsi or your Shasta, whatever it takes. Um, here's the deal, though, okay? So I, I think there's this misconception, and, and there was for me. Like I'm like, wh- wh- why are these agencies there? So the origins of credit bureaus, they were created to help lenders and creditors decide um, who were the potential customers that were credit worthy? So remember, you know, the, you know, decades ago, decades ago, maybe thirties, forties. I mean, these these agencies start to come into play. Forties, fifties, you know, sixties. Credit bureaus are helping um, lenders and, and creditors as 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 the banking industry grew. Probably more after World War II, banking industry grew. Who's credit worthy? So they would reporting to these um, agencies was voluntary. So mostly you had like. Um, like, um, if you were paying your taxes, if you were paying your water bill, if you were paying, um, you know, other things like that. So, um, those, those are being reported in. So it's, it's voluntary to report in. Now it's interesting because I haven't, I wasn't able through my research to really find out like what the, what the carrot is if I'm with Macy's or, you know, whatever company and I'm, and I'm reporting into Equifax, like what's the carrot for me to do that? There's got to be some incentive out there that I'm not aware of. So, um, it might surprise you. It surprised me. It surprised the safety doc. It totally surprised safety doc. It might surprise you that, um, none of the credit bureaus are federally are, are there, none are federal agencies. It's, none are federal agencies. In fact, they they have no government affiliation whatsoever. None. Okay, let's let's slow this slow this down. Go over it again. It might surprise you to learn that none of the credit bureaus. So again, we are talking about Equifax, Experian, and TransUnion, the big three. Okay, so if you're trying to get a car loan, a house loan, you know, personal loan or whatever, they're going to go to these three, the bank or, you know, the car dealership, whatever. Um, But none of them have government affiliations whatsoever. They're private companies that collect information from creditors, hiccups, of your financial history. They sell this info to creditors. It's used to determine if you're credit worthy. So, okay, they sell this to creditors. So right away, this is this is a business. They have an incentive to make money. Um, so I'm I'm looking at this like this, there's so many ways that this does not have any controls over it. Um, so they're selling it and they're publicly traded. Okay, this is the other part we want to get into. These are publicly traded companies. And I want to tell you just how well one of them has done. And also the, the fact that Equifax that basically, basically puked out everybody's private information and has cro- caused enormous identity theft and people having their, their you know, fraudulent charges on credit and, and just a massive dent to, to individuals and to the economy. Um, without any re- repercussions. I mean, they'll get b- brought before Senate hearings and, and say the usual, you know, whatever they're, they're supposed to say or, you know, um, nothing's going to change. So, but yeah, so they determine if you're credit worthy, quote unquote credit worthy. Um, and, um, the, the part of this though is so, and I, I've listened to a few podcasts of people say, you know what? Like I, I save up my money. Like I don't, I don't use a lot of credit. If I use any credit at all, like I, I, I pay with my checks, or I've paid in cash. I, I have my, my vehicles paid off, you know, and, um, 
I don't buy a lot of new things and I'm not buying things on credit and I don't have like, I don't open up my, my wallet and have my 10 credit cards to whatever. Those people are at a disadvantage because they don't have a credit history and it's harder for them to get loans because someone goes in and if they want to make a house loan, even though this person's been super uber responsible with credit, with money, knows how to manage money, knows how to work, um, and, and take bank CDs out or, you know, if they, if they've taken, you know, investments or they've reinvested into, um, their company, you know, if they're, if they're, a, you know, small, if they have like a side business of accounting or whatever it is or lawn mowing or whatever, none of that gets looked at. None of it. They don't care. They don't care. Unless you've taken out credit, unless you have a credit profile and, and you're paying your, your credit bills and stuff like that, you, you, you're not showing up very, uh, prevalently on these and your score is going to be lower, which totally doesn't make sense. So you can be somebody out there who has 15 credit cards and let's say you're, you're, you've paid your credit cards and, and you know, you have a vehicle on, on credit, a new expensive vehicle that's probably beyond your means, but you're making your payments. You have an expensive home and I mean, any, anything that's super susceptible to an economic downturn could just destroy you. It could wipe you up. On a credit report, you might look awesome because you use credit and you've been credit responsible. That's out of a, that's isolated out of a context of a complete economic collapse, like in 2008 or 2001, which I guess wouldn't be a complete economic collapse, but an economic collapse. Those people are going to get killed. So, um, this is so much garbage. So again, um, the, the default for these three major credit companies, Equifax, Experian, and TransUnion, it's open, meaning right now people can go in and obtain your credit from these companies. Now, you, you can go in, I think, once a year and get your credit. It's under, yeah, annualcreditreport.com. You can get your free credit report. Um, so there's two things here. One is we, we hear about the credit numbers, like, you know, the 680 to the 800 and, you know, like here's your desired range or whatever. And they take the three and they average them. And that's one thing. And there's another thing called a, just a credit report that doesn't have the scores. And that credit report that doesn't have the scores can be obtained by employers. And what they'll do is they'll, they'll also look at like, have you defaulted on a, a mortgage? Um, you know, do you, have you suddenly opened up a lot of credit, which might show that, you know, you're, you're, you're trying, you know, you might have some fiscal difficulties. Um, this is becoming more and more of the hiring process and I don't like it. I think, I don't think there's a, a place for it. You know, and they can say, well, if people are handling money, we need to know how they handle money in their personal life. Well, I, I think those are almost two different things. And, and, you know, the fact is if you have a question about how they are managing money and you put them into a position where they're managing money, then watch them or train them or have an internal audit process on them. Um, because I don't necessarily think that those two, two things translate over to each other. Um, so under the fair credit reporting act, the three major credit reporting agencies are required to offer consumers one free credit report a year through annualcreditreport.com. So, um, yeah. And, and again, they'll trick, they'll, they'll typically track your banking history, employment, your rental history, utility payments, um, things like that. So, so here's the deal. Here's what people, here's what people maybe don't know. Like you can, you can go for a job applicate, you know, you're going, you're applying for a job and they're like, Hey, we want to look at your credit history too, which never used to happen. Now they do it kind of all the time. And it's kind of ridiculous even for some of these positions. Like, why do you need to look at my credit history? Because I'm going to be doing this, but they do it because they want to, they're using this as a gauge to, to check your responsibility over time. Did you default on a house or something like that? It's completely devoid of context. Okay. That's the other, they don't know the context of, of that situation. And a lot of those people who are making these judgment calls or whatever, you know, like, well, you're, you know, you, you've had bad credit, so we're not going to bring you into the company because you haven't shown responsibility. Like you, you defaulted on a house. So if we put you on a big project and it's like, well, yeah, I defaulted on a house at the same time. Like I was sick and, and, you know, I was also, um, you know, had, had, you know, student, student loan issues or I was putting myself through, through school. I mean, you don't know. I mean, so, so they, they just say, you know, well, Sorry, 
you know, you, the thing is, though, you have to sign off. You have to sign off and say, I give you permission to look at my credit report. They can't get the score, but they can get your credit history. So they could, they could pull up a bankruptcy or, or other things. Um, where this really hits you hard is if you've had identity theft. If you've been the victim of identity theft and now you've had to shut down a lot of things. And, and, and so someone is looking at this and like, what in the hell? And it's like, you've got to preface this by saying, I was a victim of identity theft. My credit is going to look all over the place because I've been spending thousands of dollars and working with my, you know, coverage. A lot of us have coverage. I think I do. Um, you know, where your insurance company helps you out and things like that, but it, it's such a mess. Um, and, and a lot of times after identity theft, people lock their credit. So you have the choice. You can lock your credit. So let's get right there. You can lock your credit at any of these. And it, ta- it costs a total of about $30 to lock your credit. Okay. That's right now. It costs like 30 bucks total. And first of all, you have to get like get a hold of all of these and, and, and say like, I want my credit locked. So they'll lock your credit. Now the thing is to unlock your credit. That's a fee also. So it can be anywhere from $10 and up to unlock your credit. So if you go to a car dealership and you're going to buy a car and, and they're going to check your credit, you can ask which credit are you going to, are you going to check Equifax? Are you going to do, um, you know, um, Experian or TransUnion? They might tell you which one, or they might say all three. Well, if it's all three, you got to unlock all three at 30 bucks at least. And then you have to relock them. So you have to pay to relock these. So if you get in this, this where you're locking and unlocking, and this will really hit you hard if you're applying for a job. Okay. If you're applying for a job and, or, you know, different places and things and you have to lock and unlock your credit, this could end up being hundreds of dollars a year that you're putting into this while you're seeking employment. So why isn't the default a position? Why isn't the default position for this locked? It's garbage that it's not locked. That is a complete garbage move by the government that this is not locked. And the fact that when you unlock it, that they have these fees of $10 or whatever, it, it, you should have so many free unlocks a year. And then after that, like, you know, through a, a pin number in, in, you know, whatever you do, but it should be like five bucks. Um, this isn't, I mean, all this is now because this happened, this Equifax breach, Equifax, Experian and TransUnion are making more money than ever, more money than ever, because you have to go in and pay to lock and pay to unlock. So anytime again, if you're for rental property, for a mortgage, for car, anything that is going um, to have a, a mortgage or a loan associated with it, now even employment, you're having to go in and do this this unlock and then lock again. And so here, take a look at this. So as of November 14th, 2017, TransUnion privately it's on the stock market. TransUnion is, it was up 75.98% year to date. Up, up 75.98% year to date. Okay. Equifax, Equifax, which, which again vomited out all of our personal data, not just a little bit. I mean, the, you know, they shook hands with the Yahoo and said, yeah, let's both go down in flames on this. Everything. Everything got harvested. And, 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 you know, all of us who are diligent, you know, you protect your social security number and you do all of these things and what, it doesn't matter because, you know, it, they, this other side, you know, hey, our firewall. Yeah. Our firewall was made out of paper and it got burned through and it. We didn't even recognize it or we recognized it. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. Equifax is down to date as 11, 14, 2017 to date. Down 7.49%. That is 7.49%. That's disgusting. General Electric is down for the year. I don't know, 25% for the year is down 25%. General Electric, who makes locomotives, who makes things, airplane engines, stuff like that. Okay, General Electric. Um, having, you know, an off year. Equifax, who spills the beans. Just, just gets, you know, fleeced, destroyed, and, and turns this incredible liability for all of us. And now is in a situation to, to harvest money off of us for fees to trust them to keep our data safe. Yeah, right, right, okay. Um, they're down 7.49%, which is a blip. It's nothing. 
It's unbelievable. I mean, I'm looking at that. I'm like, 7.5. What the hell? It's like TransUnion is up. I'm like, which doesn't make really any sense to me. Although I suppose you could look and say, well, now we have all the extra fees, which people are going to have to pay. And we really don't do anything as a company. I mean, people just report stuff into us. And it's not like you have to have huge office buildings and, you know, a lot of this is automated and stuff like that. But Equifax, I mean, you have, you have your, your corporate, your senior executive selling stock shares and, and deemed that that's okay. To me, it's not okay, but, um, you know, right after they, they were aware of this and, and just this, this massive, um, yeah, you know, I, I can't, I can't get over it. 7.49%. I mean, I would look at that and say that, that should be down like 80%. Like they should be on sur- survival. Like it should be the heart, heartbeat monitor on them, you know, the, the drip IV. And I mean, there's no pain. There's no pain in these companies. I mean, these people go on, they get the paychecks and whatever, and it's just crazy. So, um, a big thing, a big thing though. Um, okay. So, um, how do I want to take this here? So I, here's the thing with employers. So, you, you know, you can deny with your employer, you can say, no, you know, I, I'm not going to sign off and give you my, my access to my credit report. Well, what do you think is going to happen? I mean, if there's other, obviously other people applying for the job and you're not willing to do this, um, it's it's going to be negative against you. You're not going to get the job flat out. It's just not going to happen. So you are damned if you do, damned if you don't, because if you have been a victim of the Equif- of Equifax and, you know, the, the whole mess there, and if you have been the victim of identity theft, not even once but twice or whatever, um, or even if you are very responsible and haven't used a lot of credit. I mean, back in my lawnmower cash days, I mean, the company was paying me, you know, in a, in a personal, you know, check, you know, out of the, uh, one of the property, the, you know, one of the guys that, that lived in one of these big, larger homes and stuff like that. But, um, it, it, it's, it's just insane. It's absolutely insane. Um, so let me go through, um, dun, 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 dun. Oh, okay. So, um, TransUnion and Equifax, I don't want to make it sound like they, they got away scot-free because they didn't. They they definitely got hammered with a feather of a punishment. TransUnion and Equifax misled customers about credit scores. Um, they misled the government. This article was by uh, Aaron Smith of CNN and saying that uh, TransUnion and Equifax had to pay a total of $17.6 million in restitution and $5.5 million um, in uh, penalties. Um, the companies offered credit scores for free um, or a limited reduction in their enrollment programs to protect your um, information on a monthly paid basis. So so here's here's what they did. Here's what they did. Here, here's here's where this penalty came from. Okay, this wasn't because of the breach. This was what they would. They were saying, "Hey, we'll charge you like a dollar a month, and um, to be in our program, or we'll monitor your credit. And by the way, like it, it'll renew forever. It's automatic, and you'll be charged a dollar a month ongoing. And that's just the way it is. So all some people be like, "What's this dollar? Like I'm being charged a dollar and a dollar and a dollar, so twelve dollars a year." To basically, like, just to have them do their job to protect your data. So, um, you know, it is. it was absolute garbage. Absolute garbage. And, and they weren't told this. They weren't disclosed this information. About 700,000 um, um, TransUnion customers were, were impacted, you know, by this. By this. But, but anyway, you're just slime. Just slime. I'm just so, I'm so... Sick of that. So absolutely sick. So what am I going to do? So what's the, what, what's the safety act going to do? What do I think you should do? Okay. So, um, one is, um, I, I personally, I don't need to have my data. I, I don't need to have my stuff unlocked. And if I do, it's going to be very rare. So, um, you know, 
I, I, I'm not taking out a mortgage. I'm not taking out a car loan and all those things. So I'm in a, I'm in a position, I'm a little bit older. I just had my 46th birthday. So we're not in a position where we have to kind of do these things. Um, so, you know, I am going to go in and do a lock, which is a pain and I know it's going to suck. And then, you know, the reality though is I'm going to have to be very vigilant of that down the road in case I, I forget about it and I, I do go for any type of loan or any, you know, take out additional credit card or something like that. I don't know. I don't know. And I, and I don't even know, like for my girls, you know, like as, as they go into college and is this going to have any impact? And I, I just don't know. Um, and I do, well, I've never been asked for, I mean, I do a number of, of consulting things and expert witness stuff, and I don't know if having credit locked has any impact on that or whatever, but too bad. Credit's being locked. It's a good step to take for me. Now, but if you're young and you're, so I guess by that default, I'm not young, but if you're applying for a job, you know, you're in your twenties and something like that, and, and you, you know, you're going to be getting a car, a mortgage and stuff like this and applying for jobs. This is a real hassle to lock and unlock. And if you ask like a, a car company, like which, which of these rating scores are you, are you, the companies you're going to look at, like Experian or Equifax or TransUnion? And they were like, Oh, we don't know. Well, usually they do know. And they kind of don't look at all three. They might look at just one. And I think you just say, like, I'm going to, I, I, I lock my stuff as a protective measure and I'm willing to unlock it so you can go in and check it. But, um, if you're just going to do the one, let me unlock the one and save a little bit of money. So, but again, on the other side, I mean, they'll probably be like, oh, is he like trying to protect something? Like we don't, doesn't want to see, but I mean, come on. So, uh, yeah, I think, I think you should lock, go to valuepenguin.com, kind of know what you're in for. And there is no way in the world that these three companies, which are not government companies, I don't think, I don't think there's a need for these anymore. Um, they're, they're, they are just manipulating in the fact that they're publicly traded. It's just sickening. It is absolutely sickening. And, and the fact that the penalties that, that come down should be absolutely harsh. I mean, it should be like, what was it in the record industry a few years ago? Like, I don't know, 15, 20 years ago, I remember getting a check for like $35 or something because, you know, one of the record companies overcharged on whatever. I mean, right here, like every American citizen should be getting a check for like a hundred bucks from the big three of saying like, we're sorry. And that doesn't even cover anything. But I mean, this whole thing of like everybody keeps their jobs and everything just goes on as normal. And by the way, we're going to charge you fees to um, lock your account. And every time you unlock it and then every time you relock it, there's additional fees, which we didn't have before. It's new income for us. Yay, because we suck so bad. And you have no other choice. And this is, if this is the way you want to play the game, if you want to be employed, if you want to have a mortgage, guess what? It's for us. Yay. I mean, it's, it's horrible. It is, it's horrible. It's greed. It's, I'm sorry for beating the mic here, but it's, it, it, it's greed. It's irresponsibility. Um, it's sickening for me, but I'm telling you, check out valuepenguin.com. I have no, I have no, interest in value penguin at all as a disclosure but i did like so you know what you're in for and then understand those three reporting agencies again equifax experian and transunion those will be the three that you'll want to put the lock on i think you need to do that identity theft is horrible i've, I've known people who have gone through that not that it still can't happen to you um this decreases the likelihood of something like that happening to you you do not want to put yourself through identity theft. It is god awful for for you to fight back from that. So decrease your chances of doing that. And unfortunately, we we are just in a world where you cannot you you cannot accept that your data is going to be protected um, in in these agencies. And I think you've you've got to take every measure you can. And even with that said, I'm like, okay, so Equifax, you like lock this, but I don't understand how that lock would have had any impact on this information really being harvested because if the hackers got into your system, what, whether it was locked or not, I, I, I don't get, I mean, I can see where someone would apply for something under your name and it would probably thwart identity theft, but I don't see where this was, this has anything to do with a more robust, um, security systems.